and it's a it's a pre- privilege to be here. I uh, thank the uh, the officers, uh, Wilson, your pastor, for uh, <laughs> really for entrusting this pulpit to uh, a recent friend. Uh, you uh, have no idea what a great uh, well, you actually you do. So I won't I won't say it that way. You have an idea of what a great privilege it is uh, to be in this. Uh, place the freedom to worship Christ and the the joy of having officers, pastors, elders that are uh, concerned. They are guards. They are shepherds. Are under shepherds under the great shepherd, and some would even say they're sheep dogs. <laughs> One of their jobs is to protect. So they don't just give the uh, pulpit to anyone. And I and I appreciate that, and I I both respect and uh, find it an honor. So. That was an unpaid for announcement. Um, we'll be in Psalm 146. You've heard it in song. You've heard it in scripture or in a responsive reading, and you're going to hear it again because I just want to emphasize some points. So if you have your, your word, your Bible, turn to it. It's a very short psalm, so I'll read the entirety of it, 10 verses. Hear the word of God. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, immortal men in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. His God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Thy God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, may the the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last time I was with y'all, uh, probably very few of you were either remember or uh, were here, maybe. Um, we looked at Psalm 73, and not long after that, I was down with my uh, daughter and son-in-law, who were sitting right up here, came to visit us from Auburn, and their pastor, Gary Spooner, did a wonderful job of bringing a message from this psalm. And I thought, aha, this is the fuller exposition or the bookend to Psalm 73. If you remember Psalm 73, the psalmist was struggling greatly with injustice and with suffering and what he thought was the prosperity and the injustice of that, of the wicked. And yet we saw even in that psalm that he came close, as he puts it, to betraying the Lord and betraying his people. Specifically, he says, your children, I came this close And then he came, as you remember the key, into the presence of God. And when he came into the presence of God, 
God gave him understanding and blessed him with insight. And he realized that the wicked does not prosper forever. And he realized that people do not uh, suffer unjustly forever. And that God ultimately, as we see very clearly articulated in this psalm that we're going to be studying, is the redeemer of the oppressed. He's the one that sets us free. He's the one that brings justice. God Almighty is the one that sets things all anew and right. Now, there's an aspect of that which you well know is uh, very much the now and the not yet. We are living in the midst of the kingdom, but it hasn't arrived in its fullness. And so the, the challenge for us is how do we live by faith looking and seeing these things that we see? And I would challenge you that the psalmist was not wrong, and some of the men you'll meet or people you'll meet in the message are not wrong. You're not wrong to look at and see those things. God has called you, as, as it were, a vice region on the earth to look and see injustices and see suffering and see those that need mercy and to do something about it. Jesus made that clear, didn't he? He said that we would do greater things than he did. You know, three years of ministry, uh, crucified, ascended, and he's been at the right hand of power ever since. Okay, and then what? (laughs) Well, then what is what the church has been doing and what the kingdom has been doing for 2,000 years. So let's look, let's dig into this passage. Um, Bottom line last time, it's impossible to look rightly and see these things and, and not only rightly judge, but come to an um, emotional, spiritual, relational conclusion about it without the help and presence of God. That's the bottom line on that. The bottom line today, if you're taking notes, you've got a cool little place in your bulletin for writing notes, so I'm going to make it easy for you. We're going to look at three things to see, ultimately, that Christ is sufficient. We're going to see that the Lord is an abundant helper Three points here. He is to be praised, number one. He is to be praised. Uh, Number two, he is to be praised for his power and for his program. So I tried to make it simple. Alliteration drives some people crazy. I just got to say I love it. Now, I I would say in parentheses under program, just put his kingdom because that's what I'm really talking about. But praise for his power and his program. That's what we're going to see Your main idea, your gospel takeaway, really, is behold, this is your God. That's what the psalmist is saying. Behold, this is your God. He does all this. He is worthy of praise. He will make things, and he is making things new right now. He is worthy of praise. I think it's interesting that the first couple of verses, the psalmist is doing what really you and and I should do, and that is instruct ourselves I'm going to praise the Lord. It's almost as if a reminder, I'm going to praise the Lord. And then he also does what? He instructs his brothers or sisters in Christ. Let's all praise the Lord. You see that in verse 1 and 2. So praise is good. It is appropriate considering who, is, who he is. That's what's in the first few verses of the psalm. Praise is good. It's appropriate considering who he is. Praise is what we should be doing when it comes to God. So in verse 1 and 2, he's speaking it to himself, but he's also speaking to fellow saints. So shouldn't we do that? I had the wonderful privilege of pastoring a gospel congregation, and they taught me so much about praising God. They taught me, you know, albeit typical Presbyterian, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that, you know, you guys say praise the Lord every other sentence. But they were sincere, and they were working a discipline, if you will, a spiritual discipline to praise the Lord. 
to praise him in the low times, to praise him in the good times. And we need instruction, and that's what's going on here. Uh, But there's some reasons we should look at why. Why should we speak to ourselves and speak to our fellow saints and remind us to praise God, to praise him? Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, what does he say about the things we most likely put our trust in? And he addresses the arm of man ultimately when he says in 3 to 5, do not put your trust in princes. We are quick to put our trust to uh, lean, if you will, on man. It could be me, myself, and I, or it could be, as frequently as the case, others. And God gives us others. He works through means of grace. But that should not be our trust. We should not trust ultimately in others. Uh, because man is inadequate. He cannot save. I think it is clear in this passage. He emphasizes man's mortality and his limited reach. I'll never forget when I was a, a freshman at Auburn and I was not a Christian. I was not saved. I did not have the benefit of a church like this. I was not raised in the covenant community. Someone read this verse to me. Actually, he just quoted it. He was at covenant. He, was, he and his friend were discipled by the pastor and had learned evangelism explosion and were sharing the gospel with me. And they asked me what I was going to do, and I gave them a big answer, foolish as it were. And they said, you know, it's interesting that you think that's going to happen. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. Where, is he quote, where were they quoting from? And they went on beyond that. Does that sound familiar? For what is your life? It is even a vapor or a mist that sh- appears for a short time and then vanishes away. James. And I just dropped all my uh, proverbial defenses and, because God's word was working. And I said, where is that? And they showed me in the Bible, opened it up. And so I was, I was undone at that point because I had come to that sense. They didn't know this, but for the last six to 12 months, I had been wrestling with that very reality. Life is meaningless. I'm just here and I'm gone. It's a vapor. It's a mist. And so when the word brought that in such succinct power, I realized, yes, man's mortal, he's limited, and we have limited reach, but God does not. He is worthy of praise. The second thing we see here, God's unlimited reach, it is unlimited. Jesus said to show his sufficiency when he was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. It is done. All that needs to be accomplished other than his return to bring it all to culmination and final end was done when he said it is finished. When he bore the sin of mankind on the cross, he showed his sufficiency. So he's worthy of praise because one, we shouldn't put our trust in or praise princes. Two, he is sufficient. He is a great God. And he shows us that. Uh, Let's look a little bit more into his power. It's infinite, uh, not only infinite in its reach, but it's infinite in his faithfulness. That's what he says when he says the God of Jacob. If you look here, at the passage, he is remembering this is the God of Jacob. This is our God who made the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and the, the covenant is renewed repeatedly. But not only in, of infinite faithfulness, of intimacy, what does he say? The Lord, his God, the Lord, my God. Blessed is the man whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. You see that intimacy? This is why the Lord is worthy of praise. This is why when we look around us and we're struggling and we're seeing other people struggling, we're seeing injustice and the wicked, we say, praise God. He is on the throne. He is in power. He is sufficient. Man fails. The princes fail. The arm of flesh fails. But God, our God, 
is the mighty God. So the second uh, very key aspect of he's worthy of praise is that God has unlimited reach where ours is limited. Spurgeon says it this way, it's always beneficial to praise the Lord. It cheers the day and brightens the night. It lightens toil and softens sorrow. And this is really interesting, over earthly gladness, it sheds a sanctifying radiance, which makes it less liable to blind us with its glare. (laughs) Earthly gladness. We can be glad about just the simple things of life, but we should also be careful. And he's saying when we praise the Lord, even doing that, it sheds a sanctifying grace, a radiance, which makes us less liable to be blinded by those good things around us. The second thing is the power. We see the power, real power, that we should praise God for in verses 6 and 7. There's two aspects of this power that are shown here. In verses 6 and 7, this real power. My children want me to give an illustration on this uh, from um, Ben-Hur. I'm not going to do it (laughs) for the sake of time. You look in there, though. Watch that movie, and you'll hear the reference to real power. But this is real power. Because there's two aspects of it that he talks about here. First in verse 6, what is he talking about? This God is worthy of praise because why? He made heaven and earth. Creative power. This is the same God that's at work in your life and in your children's life. He created the heavens and the earth. Go out and enjoy his creation today. It's one of the great things that we can and often should do if we're able on the Lord's day on the Sabbath. But as you look at it, you see that the power to create, the power to design the way he has designed the creation is that power that tells us, that reminds us he is worthy to be praised. But the second aspect that is hit here in verse 7, not just the creative power, but his redeeming power. He is the redeemer. I already mentioned the sufficiency of Christ. That power is real and worthy of our praises. He says in uh, Verse 7, that he's going to bring justice, that he's going to be our provider, and then he's going to give us complete freedom. Look at what it says there. Who executes justice for the oppressed. See the justice there. Who gives food to the hungry. He's providing to us. The Lord sets the prisoners free. He is redeeming those that have been imprisoned Uh, obviously the implication here is spiritual imprisonment. Scripture says in the New Testament that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We are locked in bondage as the Reformed theologians so wonderfully explained. We are under the bondage of death and sin, and yet he sets us free. He's worthy of praise for that. You should praise him for his creative power, for his redeeming power, because he provides justice, true justice. He provides abundant provision in complete freedom, justice, provision, and freedom, all in one verse. You know, it's interesting, if you listen to your pastor and you listen to uh, uh, good preachers, I'm not throwing myself in that bunch, I'm still working on it. Look at how they take the passage of Scripture and show what the Scripture says, how it's organized. In other words, God has given you pastors and preachers to help you study the Word for yourself. It's really a wonderful example to begin to learn. So when you read through this psalm as a for instance, you see, oh, okay, yeah, I can see how this is organized. Because God is a God of order. And in the Spirit's inspiration, He is giving these writers a purpose. They are writing with intent. 
And so as you begin to just study it on your own for devotional purposes, or maybe God will call you to be a teacher of some type or to work with youth, you can help people understand how the scripture flows in the message here. Because there's a message here in Psalm 146 that we can't miss. Let me just summarize this second point really quickly. Another quote. The Lord always deserves to be praised for what he is in himself, for his work of creation and providence. This is Charles again. Sorry, I think I should have been born in the 19th century London. I do look at other people. I'll read what Calvin says about things and, and other uh, commentators. But this is Spurgeon again. The Lord always deserves to be praised for what he is in himself, for the, his works of creation and providence, for his goodness towards his creatures, and especially for the transcendent act of redemption and all the marvelous blessings flowing therefrom. So he's worthy to be praised for what he has done, for his creation, for his power, for his redemption. He is worthy of our praises. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a wonderful habit, discipline, spiritual activity that we can praise the Lord. The last thing I want to focus on as we wrap up is the program or the kingdom. He's worthy of praise because of his program. He has given us an active mission. It's ours. It is the church. It is the kingdom's work on this earth until he returns. He's given us lines of effort, we call it in the military. But it's an idea that God has demonstrated to us in his ultimate acts. And he will continue to empower through us to do these works of the kingdom. Look at, look at really quickly um, his people. If you notice in verse 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. What is he doing there? When he is opening the eyes of the blind to see, when he's lifting up those of us that are lowly, and when he's loving his own, the righteous, he is forming his community of faith. He is forming us, his church. And so as we look at that, we're seeing the program of the kingdom. He's worthy of praise because he's doing it. I love this. Uh, we're doing a study at work. Hugh Wetchell wrote a book called um, How Should We Then Work? Talking about the biblical view of work. And a lot of folks are really getting excited because they had no idea they should look at their work and their vocation as their way of getting engaged with the kingdom. Work is just a means to the end, chaplain. Got it. This is how I pay the bills, chaplain. Got it. This is, oh, my pedestal to, you know, be salt and light. All of those things are true, aren't they? But those are just half answers or means. The ultimate intent for all of us in our vocation, it is our way of engaging in building the kingdom, isn't it? However you might think of your job as mundane or everyday or not directly related to the kingdom, it is the kingdom. When you are, when your sons and daughters are out there, they are doing the work of the kingdom. We're just equipping the saints for the work of ministry, amen? You as officers in this church, you're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. I'll never forget, probably one of the most encouraging times uh, that I had since I became a Christian. Um, I was, uh, a few years ago, I was in Afghanistan on this dirt airstrip. And this really gnarly group of guys came and landed. None of them had uniforms on. Most of them were Afghan. There were two Americans, I could tell, or I could tell they were Westerners. I wasn't sure they were Americans. We went out there to take them water. It was brutally hot, and they were, there were boxes and some other things on this dirt airfield, and that was all the shade. They were all literally hugging up against these wooden crates and boxes just trying to find some shade because they had to wait there for possibly hours for their mission if they were going to go on this mission. 
So I go out there with them doing the chaplain thing, just mixing it up. I know most of them probably can't speak English, but because uh, they're Afghan soldiers, and they're all armed heavily. And these two Americans, I do find out they're Americans, and I greet them, and I said, I'm Chaplain Bob, and one of them says, hey, I'm Mike, and the other just kind of does this. He's about, he was probably about 50, 53, somewhere. He does this, he doesn't say much. The young man, the probably 29, 30-ish, says, hey, Chaplain, what's your denomination? First question almost. I said, I'm PCA. He says, oh, Awesome. I grew up in this great Reformed church. He told me the city. I won't mention it. In fact, I don't really think his name was Mike. (laughs) Uh, But he did tell me specifics about his upbringing. He grew up in this church. His parents, that church, loved him to Christ. And he had gone to the Air Force Academy. And they had recruited After he finished his time in the Air Force, this agency had recruited him. And he had left the Department of Defense and went to work for this other agency. And now he's over there doing this amazing mission in the shadows. And he said, for an hour, he tells me how God, he praises God for the preparation he had to go do what he was doing. He said, I have, and he's saying this in front of this old guy that's been in the agency for 30 years, and he would look like it. He was wearing it. He said, I live in these shadows, but I know right and wrong because it was impressed upon me by Christ in this church. And he just continued to praise God for what God had done to prepare him and you know and you know after a while I walk up the hill to the fob and I think I should go home and tell every church back in the U.S. God is good worthy of praise and their sons and daughters are over there are over here they could be downtown Huntsville this morning doing amazing things because God is worthy of praise That was an easy illustration. I don't know why I got. Okay, so let's conclude with this progress. God is making progress. He is worthy to be praised. This is his kingdom being established right now. I love the idea and you need to reinforce this with your your mate, with your husband, your wife, with your children, your grandchildren. He is on his throne now. I love it, the, the worship uh, that leading the songs and the praises. You are joining the saints of eternity. Uh, we had a wonderful pastor that regularly reminded us of that. You're not just coming and singing some hymns or some praise songs that are wonderful and make you feel good. You are, and those are good things. They are wonderful. We should feel good. But you are joining with the saints in glory, ever praising the Most High. And that amazing thought, that should transform our worship, should it not? Because He is worthy to be praised. You know, we should praise Him uh, because He's worthy to be praised. We should praise Him for His power uh, and His redeeming power, His creative power. And we should praise Him for His kingdom. He is working His kingdom. And that's one of the conclusions we've drawn out of our study at work. It's not my kingdom. It's not yours. It's not Cornerstone Presbyterian Church or the PCA. Whose kingdom is it? Boys, whose kingdom is it? Thank you. It's God's. It's the king's. (laughs) Uh, Amen. It is his kingdom and he is building it and he's doing it right here. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. 
So if you write it down, just put praise power program and know that those things are what God has given us through the psalm. The psalmist got it right. He always gets it right because God's writing the word for us that we should praise him and we should praise him because of his power and because of his program and his progress is continuing. One last quote. What do you have to praise him for? Let us consider if today we have not something to sing about at this moment. We're going to sing. It's a good lead in, right? Consider we have something to sing about at this moment. Can we not weave a song out of our present joys or our past deliverances or our future hopes? Earth yields her summer fruits, the hay is housed, the golden grain invites the sickle, and the sun tarrying long to shine upon a fruitful earth shortens the interval of shade that we may lengthen the hours of devout worship. We have reason to praise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great time of refreshment, this time in the Word to remind us that you are an abundant helper, that you are worthy to be praised, that you, O our God, have the power, the purpose, the program, and the kingdom, and we have been called out of darkness into light to be a part of that kingdom. So let us and help us to praise you through all our lives and with all our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.